Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you. It's Saturday. It's story time with Buster. I'll bring this to you out of the recliner. Actually doing a little pre-recording. Got to be gone this weekend, so um, getting this ahead of schedule. We are back into our book, A White Stone. I hope you are enjoying it so far. We'll be into chapter three today. Uh, we're going to start with uh, how Jim has set this up with the notes that he has from our father's heart. As the world grows darker, my people will shine brighter because of the love they have for me, each other, and their enemies. This love has already been established in the heavenlies and is about to be poured out on its fullness upon my people. Holy alliances will be made one with another. Kinsmen friendships will be established that cannot be intruded upon by the vile jestings and coarse intrusions that are part of those who do not know me. I call you to separate yourselves, but in that separation I am also calling you, my children, to come together. Some of you know the bond of adversity. Some know the bond of fleshly desire and adoration. Some know the safety of a kindred spirit, but no one has known the heavenly bond of the holy alliance that will knit my bride together for my work to be done and for me to pour my love upon them. Establish it in your hearts now. Those I call to myself will know me and each other with the love my father and I have had from the very beginning. Make no provision for the flesh in any relationships I bring your way. In my way, there is safety, power, freedom, and love. Chapter 3 of A White Stone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Days became weeks, which became months after that fateful night of ultimate terror. Tom and his wife, Sally, constantly prayed for Train, even though she had never met him and Tom couldn't find him. Because of the quickness of all that happened that night, Tom never thought to leave his name or how he could be reached if Train had any questions. Often Tom would find himself driving downtown to see if he might make a contact. It must have been quite a contrast to the surrounding area as a well-dressed man driving a new BMW would stop anyone who looked like he or she might know a man named Train. It seemed that no one had seen or heard from him since that night. How could someone that big just disappear from the face of the earth? After about six months of fruitless searching, all previous events mixed into a faded memories and somewhat tiresome stories. Sometimes Tom would think of the incident and wonder if it was all a dream, something that maybe he had conjured up. Sally and Tom settled back into the groove of their social church and family involvements. Tom's design work, all at Henderson Architectural Firm, one of the most prestigious firms in the nation, was prospering. Several of his designs had been featured in architecture today, and he was a fast becoming the rising star in the area. The Lord was prospering on all fronts. Tom and Sally had just completed the plans for their new home, which would be built in the spring. They really didn't need a larger home, but since things were going so well, in spite of the war, they felt it was okay to move to Brittany Estates. They both had to undergo scrupulous interviews, financial reports, and social registration by the Subdivision Control Committee and were accepted. So why not? Sally, a successful fashion designer herself, felt it would be good for their professional image if they moved. And even though they had only had Becky and Tommy, uh, four extra bedrooms might someday come in handy. 
There's a Mr. Horace Winslow to see you, Mr. Bracken, Tom's secretary Connie said over the intercom. On Monday mornings, it was always hard to get started and organized, and this day was no exception. Connie, I told you that I am I am in for no one, Tom responded. I don't know a Horace Winslow. Tell him to leave his card, and I'll call him when I can. If I want to, Tom thought as he turned his back on the inf infernal box that kept interrupting him. It sure would be nice to be left alone. Mr. Bracken, I... I think you had better see this man, Connie said in a voice somewhat unusual even for her. He insists on it. This better be good, Tom thought as he responded to her. Okay, bring him in. Shortly thereafter, Connie came to the door. I think maybe you'd better come out here and see this. This had better be really good, Tom muttered, throwing his drawing pencil on the desk. Connie, wide-eyed and looking a little like a lost puppy, followed Tom down the corridor to the main lobby just across from Mr. Henderson's private suite. As they neared the lobby, people were whispering to each other and heading in the same direction. The whole firm to be, seemed to be focusing on congregating around some activity there. As Tom and Connie made their way through the people and they became and began to hear low, quiet talking, even what sounded like several people crying, Tom stood in amazement as there, in the middle of the lobby, were several people, including Mr. Henderson, praying to receive Jesus into their lives. Leading them was this seven-foot-tall giant of a man named Horace Winslow, known also to Tom as Train. Nothing like this had ever happened at the Henderson Architectural Firm before. In fact, the whole scene before Tom was almost surreal. Proud, stiff-necked business magnates and their wannabes simply wouldn't stop in the middle of their important day to even speak to the likes of Train much less really listened to him. Tom shook his head and made a concerted effort to focus on his surroundings to determine if what he was seeing was really happening. It seems that Train had walked into the lobby approximately 30 minutes earlier, followed by several security guards who took notice of the giant, blue-jeaned hoodlum who was soon as he hit the lower lobby 10 floors below. From there, he seemed to gather people like a magnet. His size, dress, and demeanor all demanded attention in this traditional, almost stuffy atmosphere. As Train presented himself to Connie, followed by his pickup entourage, Mr. Henderson noticed the commotion and came out to see what was going on. Then the miracle happened. Taking full advantage of the opportunity and under the full anointing and the appointment of the Holy Spirit, Train began to tell those who had gathered about his very best friend, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So simple was his presentation, so loving was his countenance, so refreshing was his wondrous truth that the hardened, the cynical, the proud were pierced to the heart. Mr. Henderson himself, who hadn't even thought of God, if there was one, in 20 years, asked if Train would lead all those who had gathered to pray to the God Train loved so much. Those who turned their backs on receiving Jesus that morning knew that something wonderful had happened, even if they didn't understand it. It was obviously the power of the Holy Spirit at work in a way that Tom had never seen before. Precious, intimate moments of people surrendering and turning their hearts toward home having passed. Train looked up and wiped the tears from his own eyes, grinning broadly, and he looked directly at Tom and he said, Hi there, preacher man. I come to see you. Tom just stared in disbelief. Finally, after standing there a while with his mouth open, he real realized how ridiculous he must have looked. Extending his hand, he walked toward Train. When they got close enough, both men rejected the formality of a handshake 
and instead shared a big brotherly hug, the remembrance of probably the most significant event in their either of their lives was simply too important to, to both of them, so they hugged. Or more succinctly, Train picked Tom up, and then Tom in return did what he could to hang on while he was being squeezed. After Tom was put back on the floor, he began straightening his clothing and to a round of applause. No one really knew why they were applauding, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Both men smiled, being somewhat embarrassed, so Tom motioned for Train to follow him back to his office. After closing the door, Tom directed him to have a seat. Train pulled a chair from Tom's conference table and sat, straddled it backwards. How did you find me? Tom asked Train as he studied this man across the conference table in his office. Your name was in the Bible you gave me, he said, holding up his now ragged-edged, love-worn friend. Then he placed it next to him, almost as if it had a life of its own and needed a response as any person would. And your card here. You must have used it as a bookmark. When my Lord said I could, I, could, I came to thank you, he, he said with a smile that lit up the room that only moments earlier seemed cold and businesslike. I don't need nothing. I just wanted to tell you what's happened to me since I met you, Jesus, last year. Through several unscheduled, seemingly unnecessary interruptions by Connie, Mr. Henderson, several secretaries offering coffee, and even some others Tom hadn't seen in months, Train settled in to unravel the mystery that surrounded his life for the last year. Before he could begin, Tom's intercom again invaded the room. Mr. Bracken, Connie said, only to be interrupted with a harsh, Bracken, this is hint. He quieted as if he were taken a hold by some new control in his life. I mean, Tom, this is Carlisle Henderson. Tom, it seems our new friend has caused quite a stir around here. Even people from down the hall, other offices from other floors, and our own staff would like to hear more about train. Would you mind if we met with you in the main conference center? Of course not, Tom said, glancing at Train with questioning eyes to see if it was okay. He simply smiled and nodded his head as a sign of approval. Tom headed for the door, a little off balance because of the slightly unusual turn this day had taken. As he went through the door, he noticed Train had not followed him. Going back, Tom saw him kneeling in front of his chair. Peacefully, quietly, as a submissive child, he had chosen to talk to his father first. Father, it seems you have made an appointment for us. We surrender to your perfect will. Let them see you and your son, Jesus. We now choose to move and say only what you choose. Thank you for everything, Train. I'm ready now, he said, rising to his full height. Just needed to say thanks for what we were about to see. Father's awesome, isn't he? Train said as he opened the door to the conference room. Yeah, awesome, Tom thought discovering that maybe he didn't know his father as well as he thought. When they entered the conference center, which was a small theater with a raised platform used by speakers at seminars, it was teeming with people. All 350 seats were filled. People were sitting on the floor in front of the seats in the aisles and were beginning to fill up as more business, businessmen and women, staff, and some passers-by flowed in. Tom had to laugh to himself as he thought of the animals as they were drawn to the Lord himself into the ark. Foreign to their natural patterns, they humbly obeyed. Now another group of obedient wanderers quietly submitted, some of them not even knowing why. I am once more in awe of our Father in heaven, Train began as he refused the podium or chair on stage, but sat as a child would on the edge of the platform. Last night, when I started to walk to meet Preacher Man over here, he said, pointing to Tom, who was somewhat embarrassed, that the 
they now knew even he'd given his life to serve Jesus. My Lord told me to expect him to be with me and not be surprised by what he was about to do. All night I was walking here. He kept telling me about lost sheep that didn't know they're lost. I didn't understand until now what he meant. Tom was reminded of what it must have been like when Saul of Tarsus, now Paul, would tell of his life to those gathered in local communities, how the spirit of the living God must have fallen to nullify the objections, the doubts, the false wisdom of the learned. For at the throne of God in his presence there is no special elite, no rank, because no money or talent or status esteemed by men. They're all, they were all become weak, equal, sinners, silent before a holy God. Tom's thoughts turned back to the conference room where people representing every convincible walk of life, every circumstance caused by sin, were bathed in the love of the Father. As in the days of Paul, they were becoming enraptured by the story of the life of a wayward lamb that found its way home through the loving shepherd of our souls, Jesus Christ. Train was born in a back alley room, which was used as a shoot-up room by heroin addicts. His mother was a user and sold herself to maintain her need. Ears strained to listen, the broadened shoulders slumped as he told of nights in the same bed with her as uncles would come to use her. At times he would hide his head in his pillow to make it go away, and even as a small child he would try to defend her from the beatings of those men, only to be beaten himself. Once it was too late, and he was not strong enough. All night he tried to wake his mama. He washed the blood from her face and tried to make her hurt go away. Early that morning he was pulled from her by another uncle and thrown out in the hall. Never come back here, kid, he said, remembering her. Hearing your mama ain't never coming back, so get lost. Silence, except for an occasional nose blowing or quiet sob permeated the room as Train told his life on the street from the age of five. Survival was the only way of life. He knew and began being tougher then the street itself was the only way to make it. Hours flew by as story of rage, hostility, gang warfare, where warfare, theft, and crime, heinous enough to defy any imagination, unfolded before the wide-eyed audience of straits as they were brought through the events that took them to the night train Tom met him. I was on my way to settle a score with the Kings, Train said as he stood for the first time, seeming to again breathe an end new life he had found in Jesus. Almost refreshed now and recovered from relating the life of darkness, he continued, They had taken out my friend, Boney, and I was on my way to take them out. I didn't know it was a setup. They weren't waiting they were waiting for me and were gonna gonna blow me away too. On my way there I saw this guy, he said again, pointing to Tom's direction. He looked out of place on the street. But something made me stand at the corner of a building in the shadows and listen to him. He was talking to these two guys on a bench about this guy who had let a bunch of people take him out by hanging him on a cross. But he asked his father to forgive them. Something inside of me told me to follow him and find out more. That's when Steely, Mick, and Tony tried to kill him. Tom was quieted in his heart for the first time in many months as Train related to the crowd the new life that, that he felt come into him as he was washed by the blood of the Lamb that night. Just like Saul in the Bible. Train was taken aside by his new Lord and taught from his own mouth. For eight months, Train received as the Lord of the universe gave. Forgiveness, healing, love, and freedom replaced the grimy sin of the street in this special child. The verse, he who has been forgiven much loves much, became a reality to Tom as he heard and saw and remembered once more the covenant promise fulfilled 
in the tabernacle of the living God that stood before the awestruck crowd. He wants to help you too. You ain't no different to him. He wants to show you his love too. All you got to do is take it. With that, he began to pray. Simply, honestly, and naturally, he invited anyone who desired to pray with him, and many did. The miracle of new life became a reality to Judy, who tried to find love with every man she met, and Dick, the office wolf, and ridicule of everyone, even Mr. Henderson, or Carlisle as he was now known to Tom, was found on his knees again in the back corner of the platform behind the curtain, alone with his newfound lord. To say the least, it was an unusual day at the Henderson Architectural Firm. How could Tom have known that the biggest surprises were still to come? <laughs> I hope this is kept in, keeping you on the edge of your seat, uh, waiting to see what's coming next. I love this story. I love this book. I love what it stands for and, and the direction that it will continue to take us. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Uh, Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers for us. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.